Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, or 7 through, let's read 7 through 11, it says, listen to Peter, he says, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. And I want you to put your finger there because that's really what we're going to focus on this morning. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do So as one who speaks the very words of God, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. There's that word again. I hope you're holding on to that as we go through 2022. Amen. And so we, we, we shared with you that not only have we been purposely designed, equipped, positioned, and empowered to serve, we've been purposely commanded to serve by our commander and chief. Peter provides in this, um, what we're going to be sharing with you out of 1 Peter, verse Um, chapter 4, verse 7 and 9, it says this, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Paul or Peter offers us a context for the kind of Christian behavior or ethics that believers are called um, not just to have, but to demonstrate among each other and within the world. It's the kind of mindset we are to have, amen, as believers. But he says, this is the mindset I want you to have. Be alert. Be sober, be clear-minded, be self-controlled, but do it in the light of this. The end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Peter is challenging um, the believers of his day in Asia Minor as he is challenging the believers of our day to heighten our sense of eternity, that we might have eternity in view even as we walk in time, to live with the end in view, and to live, amen, our lives in in a tension. It is a tension between the present and the future. 
He says there's a tension. He's telling us that the end of all things is near. And so that creates a tension between the present day and the future. It creates tension between the already and the not yet. We live, we live our lives in the already. But at the same time, we live our lives in the not yet aspects of the kingdom. We have within us the tension of what is and what will be. The New Testament, New Testament calls us um, to watch for the Lord's return. And at the same time, he calls us to live in the world as salt and light. And so Peter calls his readers in Asia Minor, in the churches in Asia Minor, that in the light that, in the, light that the end of all things is near to do four things. He calls them to pray, to love each other deeply, to offer each other hospitality, and do it sincerely. That's what it means by saying without grumbling. You know how folks can do things, but inside they're grumbling. Their face said, I really don't want to do this. But he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And you got to know, um, in that day... For the gospel to have advanced the way it was, it did, hospitality was crucial. And he says, use the spiritual gifts that you've been given to serve others. Those four things um, Peter challenges believers to do. But do it in the light that the end of all things is near. We're going to talk about those four things in, in other sermons. But I want to kind of land on the context that Peter is giving us, that the end of all things is near. He's telling them, you've got to live with your knowing that the end of all things is near. To speak of the end of all things is is to point to the day when, the when time will be swallowed up in eternity. The time of our Lord's return when we speak of the end of all things we're, we're, we're focusing on, we're thinking about, we're considering the Lord's return. We're, we're thinking about um, the last trumpet call when the, when the archangel will blow the trumpet. It speaks of a day of judgment and the eternal home of the soul. To speak of such things is the theological term called eschatology or the doctrine of last things. We don't want to speak about endings. We don't want to speak about last things. Matter of fact, we, most of us, too many of us, live our lives without any thought that time will come to an end. The doctrine of eschatology is that part of theology that is concerned with death, judgment, and the final destiny of the soul and of mankind humankind. The word 
that is translated that we get the word eschatology it literally comes from two Greek words one which means last and one that means study and so it is literally the study of last things or the study of end times and all of that includes the Lord's return you do believe the Lord's coming back I hope you do I know in, in, in this world, the scripture says, be careful that the cares of this world don't choke the word of God. I, I still hope and believe that you are standing on this truth, that Jesus will return. I, I hope that you're not one of those scoffers that Peter talks about in the second, um, second Peter, about the scoffers that will come in the last day saying, where is he? I hope you still know that just his word is true and that when Jesus says that he will return, you can take that to the bank. And so Jesus even tells his disciples right up front in Matthew 26, 36, he says, about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven know the Son, but only the Father. Still, as Peter writes this, that the end of all things is near, he, he has the imminent return of Christ in view. He's writing to the saints, and very much like in Paul's writing, he is pointing the saints and causing them to remember that he's coming back again just like he said he would. Oh, glory to God. Remember, Peter was with the other disciples when Jesus was preparing them for his death, resurrection, and ascension in John 14, verses 1 through 3, where he told them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, my father's house has many rooms. It has many rooms. There is space for you. He says, if there were not, so if, if that were not so, if there was not a place for you, room for you, he says, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not staying to prepare a place for you. I'm not coming back to prepare a place for you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus tells him, I will come back. I'm coming back, and I'm going to take you to be with me to that place that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Why? That you may be where I am. Peter was there. Peter took that and held on to it. Peter was with the other disciples after the resurrection, and Jesus was... Um, about He was saying his farewells and giving his, his marching orders just before he would ascend back to glory. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Scripture says, And then they gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still hadn't quite got it. 
He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. I already told you, listen, you don't, I don't know, you ain't going to know, amen, but you will receive, this will tell him, he tells him, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, you got work to do, boys. And after and he said this, after he said this, Scripture says he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud, a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus. Not somebody else. Come on. This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. He's leaving with clouds. He's coming back with clouds. It's not going to be Gabriel. It's not going to be Michael. It's not going to be an angel. The Lord himself will descend. He's coming back, saints. He's coming back. He's coming back. So don't lose sight. Don't lose sight of the Lord's return. Get your house in order. Live ready to leave. John even writes to the churches in the Revelations chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. He says, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was, who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the ruler. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. How? By his blood and made us to be a kingdom. Amen. Not a race, not an ethnicity, but a kingdom and priest. To serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power. How long? Forever and ever. Amen. There's that word again. Amen. Look, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Put a period in. Amen. It's going to happen. Take it to the big. He's coming back. Every scripture says every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Folks that never talked in their life. Folks that were mute. Folks that were blind. Every eye is going to see him. Every mouth is going to confess. Folks that couldn't bend down will bend the knee. Keep this in mind, Peter is saying, the end of all things is near. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. 
He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He says, listen, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, quicker than you can bat your eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be what? Changed. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, death is your victory. Amen. Come on now. There are so many of our loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord all over this nation, all over this world in these last two years. But, oh, death, where is your victory? Well, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the Lord. Here it is. But thanks be to God. Who gives us what? The victory. Oh, I've got the victory. You need to tell yourself, I know mama's gone and dad's gone and a brother's gone and a sister's gone, but he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Just don't get wobbly legs now. Don't give up now. Don't throw in the towel. This is not the time to faint. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully. You hear him? Give yourself fully in the light that all the end of all things is near, in the knowledge that he's coming back and we shall be changed. He says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know, come on, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. You listen to what Paul is telling us. He's telling us until that day comes, keep working. Until you see the Lord again, keep serving. Amen. Until you see the Lord, amen, keep doing what he's called you to do. Amen. We've been commanded to serve. So he says, keep serving, keep working, keep advancing the kingdom, keep using your gifts, keep loving, keep praying, keep being hospitable. Listen to what Paul writes to the churches in Thessalonica about the end of time. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he writes, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. We grieve. Our heart aches. Our eyes tear. We have times and moments when, when missing loved ones is overwhelming. He says, but we don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died, he rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. 
We believe it according to his word. And he says, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. We're not going to precede those who have fallen asleep. We're not going to be taken out of here, amen, in, 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 a, in the middle of the night, amen, and precede those who have fallen asleep. It ain't going to happen. It's the word. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And here, the dead in Christ will rise first. Mama going to rise first. Dad's going to rise first. Brother's going to rise first. Sister's going to rise first. Rise first. That auntie, that friend that died in the Lord. There decaying body the Lord comes back with the souls of those that have departed in him their decaying body it's going to snap crackle pop and they're going to be that body is going to be changed and some way amen they're going the Lord is going to resurrect them and they're going to meet the Lord in the air and then he says and so he says, and caught up together with them in the clouds. And those that are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Where? In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to meet them in the air. Amen. Goodbye, Delta. Goodbye, JetBlue. Goodbye, American Airlines. He says, and so will we be with the Lord forever. And he says, therefore encourage one another encourage one another with these words so be encouraged my sisters be encouraged my brothers those who have gone on before us we're going to see them again if they died in the Lord there's going to be a great reunion in the heavens and this is eschatology that's what he's talking about amen the end of all things is near there are basically four end time. There are four end time doctrinal views. Dispensational premillennialism, historical premillennialism, postmillennialism, and amillennialism. They, they basically, they differ regarding what happens between the Lord's first coming Advent, when he came, we just celebrated Christmas. That was his first coming. What happens between then and his second coming? And what happens after his return? Will Jesus reign on the earth for a thousand years while Satan is bound? Will there be a seven-year tribulation? And if so, will it take place before or after the Lord's return. And if there is a tribulation, will the church go through it or will the church be raptured away? Will the rapturing of the church take place at the same time as the Lord's return? These are the kinds of questions that these doctrines attempt to answer. Of the four end time views, the church of God, hear me, the church of God of which we are a part, it lands on our millennialism. 
And I know, listen, um, you may have come from all different um, denominations, and maybe they taught different, but this is what this house believes, which is all, it's my stance and the stance of this house. It's what we believe, it's what we teach, but it does not divide us. I've got brothers who think, sisters who think the Lord believe that the Lord is coming back. He's going to be here for a thousand years. I don't believe it. But I don't let it divide us. We've got an we've agreement that when the Lord calls us up, be ready. But we are our millennialness. That's the doctrine of our belief, the doctrine of last things, what we believe Scripture teaches. Will Jesus return physically? Yes. When will Jesus return? We don't know. It could be any time. And anybody who tries to tell you that he's going to come in 2025, that he's coming at this date, don't lose sleep over that. No one knows the time. No one knows the day. And quite frankly, a detailed time frame is not important. There are no basis, we have no basis for making predictions. Just be ready when he comes. Are you hearing me? Just be ready when he comes. Will a rapture, will a rapture and the second coming of Jesus occur at the same time? Yes. The return of Christ will mark the end of world history. When he comes, the church will meet him up in there. He comes as a groom for his bride. And it marks the end of all time. Will Satan be bound during a millennium reign, a thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth? Hear me? No. Satan was bound at the resurrection and the ascension of Christ and is no longer, hear me, he is no longer able to deceive the nations. He is still work, he is still causing all kinds of havoc, havoc, but he has been bound to the extent he can no longer deceive the nations. People from every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every ethnicity can know Christ and can receive Christ. Will there be a great tribulation? The tribulation occurs every time Christians are persecuted. It's going on right now. Saints are being martyred. Whole groups are being taken out throughout the world. The tribulation is going on every time Christians are persecuted. Amen. When wars break out and when disasters occur, that's part of it. These are perilous times, my friend, and they will continue until Jesus comes. In fact, Scripture says it's going to get worse. Will Christians suffer during the tribulation? Yes. Christians 
will suffer and endure persecution until Jesus returns. It may not be happening here in America like it's happening in other parts of the world, but people are being taken out for their faith. Will there be a literal 1,000-year millennium, millennium where Christ reigns physically on the earth? No. The millennium refers to the reign of Christ in the hearts of believers. He is reigning, sweetly reigning, amen, right now. And we are reigning with him as sons and daughters. Jesus is reigning right now in heaven. He is seated, we are seated with him in heavenly places. There will not be a return to animal sacrifices. Animal sacrifices will not be reinstituted in a temple that's being rebuilt in Jerusalem. Who is saved? Just 144,000? No. Those who have received Christ as Lord and Savior. That number that John says he saw, a number that no man could number from every tribe, from every nation, from every kindred. Is modern-day Israel relevant to the prophecies in Revelations? No. Except for the remnant of Jews who have and will accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's our millennialism. He's coming back, saints. And Peter says, the end of all things is near. Every generation is called to live like the first century Christians with this awareness and watchfulness that the end of all things is near. Looking upward as our redemption draws nigh. While at the same time having our hands on the gospel plow of the Great Commission. Making disciples who make disciples of all the nations, being light and being salt and change agents in the world, looking up and looking ahead, getting ready to leave the world while we occupy till the Lord comes. As believers, two extremes we must avoid. We must avoid focusing solely on leaving this world and Christ's return. Because when that happens, believers, we withdraw and isolate ourselves from society. And we become indifferent or unwilling to engage and tackle the social ills, the social and, um, and environmental and political problems of our day. He said, what's the point? The result is... A Christian faith that lacks any public demonstration of relevance. That's when it becomes true. You're so high, heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. The other extreme is focusing solely on being in the world, doing good. In that extreme, faith is kept on the sideline. You know, we, we don't talk about our faith. We don't wear our faith. Faith is kept on the sidelines so that there is never any clashing, never any tension experience between our faith and the culture. The result is 
a surrendering to and an absorption into the culture so that the church loses its prophetic presence and loses its prophetic voice and loses any godly influence in the culture. The lines get so blurred between the church and the world, between sinner and saint, when we go to that extreme. Believers are called to live in the knowledge that the end of all things is near. And so we continue to work while it's day, knowing that the night comes when no man can work. We continue to strive to make this world a better place while knowing the heart of man is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. Paul tells us in Galatians 6, let not let us not become weary in doing good. Don't become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Let us do good. Although that the end of all is near, all things, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He goes on to tell us, amen, in his letter to Pastor Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. And then skip down to verse 13. He says, while evildoers and imposters will go, hear this, will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But then he says, Timothy, 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 come on, listen, Timothy, as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And he says all Scripture, amen. Those of you that have gone through discipleship classes, you need to know this. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Here it is. The end of all things is near. But you, Timothy, you, brothers and sisters, continue in what you've learned so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Continue, my brother. Continue, my sister. Continue, daughter. Continue, son, in what you have learned. Church of God of East New York, as we go through this time of consecration, as we seek the Lord's face, looking for breakthroughs, 
amen, looking for guidance, looking for restoration, looking for healing and spiritual renewal as we seek God for the salvation of souls, amen, and health on multiple levels. Remember that the end of all things is near. But also remember what the Lord tells us in Scripture. In Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You are a town built on a hill, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, church, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The end of all things is near. As I thought about this, and I thought about the, the writer who said it was the best of days, it was the worst of days. I thought about how technology is advancing life so that life becomes easier every day. Electric cars and Wi-Fi. And, and so much, so much technology. And so it's a good thing. But I need to tell you, I need to tell you, with all the advancements that we are making in the world, the end of all things is near. Beautiful buildings and um, all kinds of things that just looking around, it, it looks like things are getting better. But the heart of man is still deceitfully wicked. People are being massacred even now. But hear this last thing from Peter. The end of all things is near, but listen to what he says in 2 Peter 3, verse 4. He says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Listen to what he says. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens, by the same word, the same God who said it then is saying it now. The present heavens and earth will are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. 
The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements, all that you see physically around you will be destroyed by fire. The earth and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteous, of the righteous. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Another soul comes in, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. The end of all things is near. And he has purposely commanded us to serve. Keep praying, saints, but keep toiling on. John Wesley said it like this. He says, do all you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Whether it's in the marketplace, of business, technology, finance and government, education, whatever sphere of the society you find yourself, be salt, be light, make a difference in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. The end of all things is near. Are you ready? He could come anytime. It could be today. It could be tonight. Are you ready? Will he find you in your place doing well your part? Can you say that it is right now it is well with you and God? Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. He will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Hebrews 9 says, Just as people are destined to die once, but after that they face the judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear. He will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Are you waiting for the Lord? Are you looking forward to the Lord's return? Are you keeping your eye, amen, watching and waiting? Because the end of all things is near. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. Be honest with God. It's not the time for trying to fool yourself or fool God. This is not the time for playing church. You will not get to heaven 
on the coach strings of your mama, your daddy, you will not be ushered in because you attended the Church of God in East New York. You must know Jesus for yourself. You must be born again. You must have a heart transplant, a spiritual heart transplant. The Bible said if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says that if we will come to him, he will not cast us aside. Why not ask him right now in this moment, Lord, forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've been living my life on my own terms. But Lord, I come to you and I cry out for mercy. I cry out to you for salvation. For there is no other name under heaven that God has given whereby man must be saved but by the name of Jesus. The preacher says you're coming back again and I want to be ready. I don't know when, but I want to be ready. Mama told me about you. My daddy told me about you. I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. I want to know you for myself. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Come into my life. Come in to stay. Don't come to rent. Don't be a resident. Come in as owner. Owner occupied. The Bible said if you would believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was because he is. You believe in your heart as you ask him by faith to forgive you, he will. Reason why he hasn't come back yet, you're one of the reasons. His patience because he wants you to be saved. But time will run out. And I know you don't, we don't preach like this. And I know you know, we, we folk preachers used to preach nothing but hell and brimstone. But hell is real. And you're going to die one day. And I'm trying to tell you, don't let the end catch you with your works undone. And I'm telling the church... Get heaven in view because the end of all things is near. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.